Christ is risen. Aw, oh, come on. I'm telling you, you guys did the worst. 10 o'clock was mediocre. 11.30 was really great. It's the oldest proclamation that there is. We're going to try it. I say Christ is risen. You're going to say Christ is risen indeed. So hold on a second. Christ is risen. Great, it will come back again, so be ready. Very good. See, just because the lilies are gone doesn't mean we stop celebrating Easter. For we're only halfway through the 50 days Easter season, which began three weeks ago. When we retold the story of how the stone was rolled away from the tomb, of the burial cloths were found lying on the ground, and the angel appeared to women to say that Christ rose from the dead. And so it is at this midway point that we celebrate Good Shepherd Sunday, a title taken from the famous gospel passage that we just heard. See, the image of shepherd actually appears over 200 times throughout the Bible. Hebrew scripture shepherds include Abel and Moses, Abraham, Rachel, Jacob, and of course, David. And when we turn the pages to the New Testament, who were among the first to visit the newborn Christ child? The shepherds. So it's no surprise that John, it looks like, merges two parables into one gospel passage, which likens Jesus the Christ to the Good Shepherd. In order to get a better understanding of John's metaphor, I think it's necessary to gain some insight into what shepherding is all about. So listen to the words of the early 20th century author Henry Morton which he wrote after visiting the Palestine about the relationship of the shepherd to the sheep. This is what he said. The most remarkable thing is the symphony that exists between the shepherd and his flock. He never drives them. Rather, he always walks at their head, leading them along the roads and over the hills to new pasture. And as he goes, he sometimes talks to them in a loud sing-song voice. Early one morning, I saw an extraordinary sight not far from Bethlehem. Two shepherds had evidently spent the night with their flocks in a cave. The sheep were all mixed together, and the time had come for the shepherds to go in different directions. One of the shepherds stood some distance from the sheep and began to call. First one, then another, then four or five animals ran toward him, and so on, until he counted his whole flock. And just a few years ago, a friend of mine interned as a shepherd in New Mexico. And he wrote the following about his transformational journey tending to the Navajo churro sheep. And this is what he said. Shepherding is a dance of partnership. You cannot forcefully impose your will. You can only skillfully make suggestions with your body in a way that sheep can understand. Trusting and hoping that they will respond likewise. I found that much of sheep herding is waiting and seeing and letting the occasion arise wherein you position yourself to redirect the sheep to where you want them to go. When the sheep settle in a place to graze, we shepherds find a spot at a distance where we can still have a good view of the flock, rest our feet, and enjoy the beautiful landscape. See, one can see why John used the metaphor as Christ as shepherd. For it's Christ who waits for us, leads us, directs us, and calls to us, waiting and hoping 
and trusting that we will respond to his voice and his unconditional love. But today, I think we need to take the advice of the shepherd intern, step back from today's gospel a bit to find a place where we can take a wider view of the Easter gospels. Because without doing it, I think it's easy for us to miss the good news of Easter, which is spread across these 50 days. So why 50 days? Because I think we need that much time to absorb what the resurrection truly means. Yes, we all know that Christ died and rose from the dead. But what about us? What about our roles? What about our participation in the post-resurrection story? Resurrection is not simply a one-time historical event that happened 2,000 years ago, recorded by a small group of followers to be passively commemorated with some lilies every year. Rather, it's this paschal mystery of suffering, death, and resurrection, which played out time and time again every day in our lives. And it's these Easter Gospels that teach us how we respond, how we participate, and how we need to use all our senses to find and to follow Christ. So you remember the Gospel from two weeks ago? It was the story of doubting Thomas who needed to touch the Christ and thus was invited to put his hands in his uh, side and his fingers in his wounds. And so we find Christ in the sense of touch when we reach out to others, when we extend to another the kiss of peace, when we hold our children, hug our loved ones, lift up the elderly, and stroke the face of the dying, the face of Christ. Last week we heard of the travelers who were on the road to Emmaus and who lacked the ability to see. But then their eyes were opened through the sharing of scripture and the breaking of the bread. We're no different than those travelers. That's why Christ implored us to do what we're doing right now, to gather, to break open scripture, to go ahead and break bread and to feed on his body and his blood. All this so we would remember that Christ is before us every day. And yet many of us, we walk around with our eyes closed. We're blinded for so many reasons. Unable to see Christ in our daily lives. And to see Christ in each other. This Sunday we heard the good news of Christ the shepherd. Who calls our name and we're invited to hear him. And we find Christ in the sense of hearing but we need to pause to listen to that voice. However, our ears are often filled with everyday chatter, amplified with technology, to the point where we can miss the voice of God that's found often as the prophet Elijah tells us in the quiet winds that blow by us. Christ calls each of us every day. But are we listening? Then next week, Be sure to listen to the gospel where Christ tells his disciples that he has prepared a place for each of us and one day will take us to that place. Yet Thomas says, how do we know the way? The same lack and sense of knowledge can grip us at times when we face the changes and challenges of life. And then suddenly we find ourselves feeling lost as to how to know God in all of that. But Christ tells us, Knowledge comes from those who believe in me and will do the works I do. See, in short, we're 
called to a ministry of active participation, not just being a passive witness. We're called to bring thy kingdom come, not hide in the upper room of our lives. We know Christ by being Christ. Finally, in a few weeks, we'll approach the end of the Easter season. And over the 50 days, we will listen, have listened to all the Gospels that tell us through touch, sight, sound, and knowledge that we find God, see God, trust God, love God, and have faith in God. And that's not enough. Christ knowing we can't do it alone promises us the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, who is with us always. Now, can you see why it takes 50 days to celebrate the resurrection? Why we gather each week for the sharing of stories and the breaking of bread? For we all need to roll away the stones of our personal lives. We all need to unwrap ourselves from our personal burial cloths and our own tie-ups. And in doing so, we have the freedom to touch, to hear, to see, and to know the Christ that dwells within each of us. For it's not just these 50 days that we celebrate Easter. Rather, we need to celebrate it every day, to rejoice and give thanks for our God, who's always calling us, loving us, accepting us, enlivening us, and dwelling within us. And that's why we say, Christ is risen. Hallelujah. <laughs>